Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is December 26th, 2020. I should say, Merry Christmas, the second day of Christmas. It's also then the feast, <clears throat> excuse me, of St. Stephen, uh, martyr. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on. I'll give you a brief consideration of what we might call the two Christmases. The two Christmases. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. See our memory verse for this week? When the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3, verses 4 through 5. Our psalm is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, 
and some of them you will scourge with your synagogue, in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you, would, you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There ends the reading. And then some selection of, uh, from Acts chapter 6 and 7 for the Feast of St. Stephen. This is the second day of Christmas. And Stephen, full of power, our faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, hmm, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. Hold on one second. I note that I left out a verse. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. All right. So the God of our father said, listen, I think that's his, where the ESV would have us cut off. All right. And then we skip a bunch of the sermon and we pick up with, uh, with this. Chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you have now become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There ends the reading. 
All right, well, let's do some catechesis on the text first, and then, uh, like I said, I share a little meditation um, extemporaneous with you. All right, so how is Stephen described there in verse 8? Yes, he's described as one full of faith and power. What might be a better translation? Mm-hmm. It's actually grace, full of grace and power. Uh, that phrase is actually quite uh, significant or important because then it connects Stephen, uh, this deacon appointed by the apostles, with the preaching of the apostles. Um, you have to go back to Acts 4 for this. I'll just share it with you. This is one of Peter's sermons, uh, or after one of Peter's sermons, it says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace, there it is, Kairos was upon them. I'm not certain why um, they translated here as great faith. It's not clear to me. I mean, it's pisteo. Um, it depends on which manuscript. That's what's going on there. So some manuscripts say faith, some say grace. All right, so there's a dispute there. Um, all right, what was Stephen doing? It says he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Why is that an important phrase, you think, in Acts? I've often said that it'd be uh, good to do a study of the book of Acts. We did that, actually. I've uh, been doing that with the youth, um, with our young people. Uh, we worked through, I think, the first... We didn't get to the Jerusalem Council. I think we did the first like eight or so chapters. No, more than that. Maybe the first ten chapters. All right, so we do that with all of our youth towards catechesis. All right, here's what's going on here. Great signs and wonders. This is identifying Stephen as a preacher of the risen Lord because the Lord promised these sorts of things attached to his preaching. The signs and wonders that Jesus did continued as a confirmation of the gospel in the the, uh, preaching of the apostles, just as signs accompanied the deliverance from Egypt through the hand of Moses and were repeated through the life of Joshua to confirm him as the new leader. But then these signs and wonders disappear with coming generations. All right. So, um, you have it with the original event, then you have it with those whom are appointed to preach about that event, or to continue to do that work, and then you see those signs and wonders uh, decrease, as the word must increase. Mm-hmm. Um, who disputes with Stephen's preaching here? These guys will come up later in the book of Acts as well. This is the synagogue of the freedmen. Um, these are Jews from Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, or Asia Minor, as we would call it today, I suppose. All right. Uh, Why couldn't they resist Stephen? What does it say there in verse 10? Now, they couldn't stand up to his, um, against his wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Uh, So what did they do then to attack Stephen? Hmm. They of course, attack what he said, right? Uh, They induced other men to accuse Stephen of blasphemy against Moses and against God. Uh, When in the Old Testament was there a false accusation of blasphemy? It was an interesting story. Maybe it isn't the first thing. Um, It's when uh, the wicked queen, Jezebel, she wanted that vineyard that was Naboth, and then she induced other men um, to accuse Naboth of blasphemy, to take his vineyard. How is the false charge of blasphemy against Naboth 
like the false charge against Stephen. Well, without going back and reading 1 Kings 21, these Jews are accusing an innocent man of blasphemy to destroy the inheritance that is given by God through the preaching of the name of Jesus. So, uh, this accusation of blasphemy is really an accus- is, is actually speaking against the word of Jesus. Which commandments then are being broken here? Well, the eighth commandment for sure, right? They're speaking ill of their, of their brother. Fifth commandment, they're seeking his death, of course, because that's the punishment for blasphemy. And of course, they're misusing God's name, um, which would be the second commandment. Of course, not willingly hearing preaching in God's word. Third commandment, and of course, having other gods. So, uh, what's their exact accusation? What are they? What do these witnesses, these false witnesses, say? Verse thirteen. Yeah, that he spoke against the holy place in the temple and the law by saying that um, Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place and change the customs that Moses had handed down. Interesting accusation. They're false witnesses. Mm, they're not exactly wrong, right? Because who else was accused in the same way? We'll see this later on in Acts, Acts 21, Acts 24, Acts 25. Yeah, Paul was accused of teaching against the law and the holy place and defiling it by bringing Gentiles into the temple. Uh, What did they see when they looked upon Stephen? What does it say there? Interestingly, a face, the face of an angel. All right. Now let's skip ahead and let's uh, work with the last part of his preaching there. There's so much more that, I mean, you really should go read the whole sermon, but uh, on the feast day, it's not appointed. All right. We have Saul, you stiff-necked and uncertain. Okay. So why are these Sanhedrin, that's who he's preaching on, it's the council, um, uncircumcised in heart and ears. That's a, another way of saying they won't listen um, to, to the word that's being preached. Um, how does that one then resist the Holy Spirit? Again, by refusing to listen to the word when it is preached. What had their fathers always done to those who preached the word? Verse 51, you see it there? They killed the prophets uh, just as they killed, verse 52, the just one, that is the righteous one, who is Jesus. What does Stephen mean when he says they, that uh, they always receive the law by angels and have not kept it? You see that in verse 53? I mean, we, we do see angels in the Old Testament speaking God's word, um, but it says that they, that's how they always have received it. Okay, well, the angel of the Lord in particular, third person, or excuse me, second person of the Trinity, pre-incarnate, uh, is the one who called Moses, burning bush, right? And led them in the wilderness, um, sent, and then they continues to send his angels. That is, remember, angel is another word for messenger. To preach his word of the law and the promises, but of course they would not keep it. They resisted. What saying does... Uh, do you think we might remember of Jesus here in verse 53? So, they became betrayers and murderers of the law by the direction of, that was given to them by direction of angels and did not keep it. Uh-huh. Think Luke 11, right? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. All right. What does uh, St. Luke here record? Uh, the words of Stephen's preaching did to these ruling council, these Sanhedrin. Now, they were cut to the heart 
and they gnashed their teeth at him. Uh, what's another way to translate cut to the heart? Now, this is an idiom, right? So this it literally means that they're furious, right? Their hearts are infuriated. That's filled up with fire, just as the words of the apostles had angered them previously. And what is gnashing of teeth? Uh, often affiliated with, think of Jesus, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, the outer darkness, which is where the sons of the kingdom, those who reject Jesus, uh, will be cast. What does Stephen then do? It says he gazes into heaven, right, and saw the glory of God and Jesus at the right hand of God. Hmm. And of course, what did he proclaim? I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You notice what he does there. Yes. He sees Jesus and he calls him Son of Man. Uh, at what other event are the heavens opened in Luke's gospel in particular? Remember, the book of Acts is really, um, uh, what do you want to say? Uh, the gospel of Luke, the sequel. <laughs> the ongoing story. The way it ends and, it, and then the next book begins. Even the beginning of Book of Acts refers to um, the account in the, the Gospel of Luke. Yeah, this was back in Luke chapter 3. The heavens were opened at the baptism of Jesus when he prayed. Where are these words about the Son of Man used previously? This is in his trial, actually, in Luke 22. You hear um, Jesus say, um, that there, is, there will be a time when the Son of Man will be sitting at God's right hand. Of course, how did the hearers now react? Remember, he was accused of blasphemy, and to their ears, he's now blasphemed, right? So they cry out with a loud voice, stop their ears, and run at him. Uh, what's, of course, the significance of the stopping of their ears? Yeah, this is a refusal to hear God's word. Think of uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And he, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Then I said, Here I am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell the people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Maybe another text worth considering is Matthew 13, um, where Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. All right, so they're not listening to God's word, um, just as they would not listen to the prophets and to Jesus. Uh, what other story does Luke use? Or, yeah, and what other story does Luke use this term for running? Here they ran at him. But when was another uh, example of that? Yeah, back in Luke 8, um, when Jesus casts out the demons into the swine, they run, same word, they run into the lake and die. Of course, what punishment does, do they give to Stephen here? They stoned him to death. Who was there as a witness? This is cool. We'll see this play out in, uh, in his epistles. Yeah, Saul, later known as Paul. And the hearers do with their clothes. They laid him at his feet. What did uh, Stephen cry out when they were stoning him? 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, which echoes, of course, Jesus' own words from the cross in Luke 23. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then what were Stephen's final words? Lord, do not charge them with this sin, which of course remind us of Jesus' words from the cross, Luke 23. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And then um, also, I think pretty neat, is the way that Luke records what happens to Stephen when he dies. It says that he fell asleep, which of course is true for every Christian. We sleep uh, and the Lord will awaken us on the last day. Stephen falls asleep to await the day of the resurrection uh, to which he bears witness. He faces death by reflecting upon the words of Jesus at his own death in the confidence that those who destroy the body cannot destroy the soul. The one who rescued from the grave by his father will surely also rescue Stephen. Though the Lord has faithfully continued the preaching of his word to the descendants of Abraham, they do not want to hear of the forgiveness that has been won through the death and resurrection of Christ. In resisting the preached word, they are resisting the Holy Spirit who calls men through the preaching of the gospel. By his word, the Lord opens heaven to those who are baptized, that they may see the Son of Man and rejoice in the forgiveness that he has won for them. So even Saul, who has the clothes of murderers laid at his feet, will receive the clothing of the righteous one, and his feet will become the beautiful feet of a preacher of the gospel. All right, so there's our meditation on the text. Um, a little bit further meditation, uh, as I said at the beginning of this, I guess you call it the show, <laughs> our congregation of prayer, um, meditating after divine service yesterday and having some conversation and even thinking about it this morning, um, I really think there's two Christmases. Or maybe we can describe um, our experience by way of two Christmases. Uh, it's, it's a significant pastoral struggle for me in particular, in that um, every year I have uh, what the expectations, I think, of God's people are um, versus what God actually would have them hear and receive. And uh, especially in the way that the church has ordered the season of Christmas, um, even Advent leading into Christmas, that even Advent itself is uh, disruptive. It's, it's difficult. It seems like, why can't we just talk about baby Jesus? Why do we have to talk about him coming in judgment? Um, why do we have to talk about John the Baptist and his preaching? of repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, that's all kind of sad and depressing, right? And then we run up against um, the season of Christmas. And uh, for example, uh, today we have, of course, the stoning of St. Stephen, which seems to be in stark contrast to yesterday, of course. And uh, tomorrow is St. John, although we'll be recognizing the presentation uh, Christmas, Sunday after Christmas, which takes priority for us. On Monday, we have the Holy Innocents, the martyrs, um, the murder of all of uh, the, the children of Bethlehem in the surrounding region, two years and under, or male children, two years and under. Um, we'll have the circumcision in name of Jesus, which seems a little brutal, but um, actually it's Old Covenant, New Testament. Uh, we'll hear mm, this, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, the flight into Egypt um, to flee from Herod at the murder of the, of the innocents. Right? Uh, this all seems very... Mm, not as cheerful, not as a holly jolly Christmas, you know? And so that's why I say, I think we, I think we actually have two Christmases going on. And then because we have two Christmases running parallel, we might call one um, the faithful Christmas and the other the secular. Uh, we're kind of torn between them. We want, I think we want something from the church um, 
that's different than what the scriptures give, which is to have unmitigated joy and celebration, which we should at the birth of Christ. And yet then we sing hymns like, I don't know, yesterday we sang, What Child Is This? Or we sing of, Nails, spear shall pierce him through, the cross be born for me, for you. Like, again, we're, we're set with this, with this really almost uh, horrible contrast of the joy of the birth of a child and yet recognizing why he was born. Son of God, son of man, born to save his people from their sins. Um, so how is it, <laughs> this is the difficulty for a pastor, how is it for us then that we can rejoice in the gifts of Christmas, as we ought to, and at the same time recognize why those gifts are given and, and not miss the point? And it's a struggle for me in particular, um, because I, I try to choose, for example, hymns that celebrate um, who Jesus is and what he's done and uh, like to have the strongest text. And yet for many people, um, largely due to the way that popular culture tends to only choose um, even church hymns and carols that are relatively neutered of any kind of um, impact as far as uh, the way that Christ comes to redeem us from sin, death, and hell. Um, not entirely, but almost entirely. Now we're, in, now we're in a little bit of a challenge, right? Because we're going to sing hymns then about, we'd, people I think would rather sing hymns about it being the middle of the night and the cattle lowing and the, uh, the baby not making any noise and you know, everything being so idyllic and, and comforting and pure. And yet that's not really what our readings give us and that's not really what um, our hymns give us uh, on the whole. So uh, I suppose this is my way of saying, uh, I'm sorry if I didn't quite meet your expectations so far this Christmas time with what we've sung and what we've, uh, what we've heard. Um, some of that's due to COVID and not um, spreading us out too thin with multiple services. Um, some of this is, I think, also due to tradition or, or perhaps um, you know, days gone past, the, the years, the yesteryears where um, the children, for example, would have a service on Christmas Eve and they would sing for us, right? And uh, that wasn't possible this year and it hasn't been possible for a few years. And uh, I think part of it too is kind of the trend of our sinful hearts um, towards nostalgia. I'm always looking backwards instead of looking forwards. I'm always thinking about how things used to be rather than um, the way God has given them today and rejoicing in who he has made us today. And then the other thing that should be mentioned here is that um, oh, the, the, probably the most joyous way to celebrate Christmas is to celebrate it in the way that the church gives over the next couple of weeks into the season of Epiphany, when we rejoice as we did yesterday in our reading for Christmas Day, but we'll continue to rejoice in our new birth. So as we recognize Christ's birth, we celebrate our new birth in holy baptism, as we'll uh, hear on... Uh, the baptism of our Lord in a few weeks, that Sunday. Uh, let's see, Sunday the 10th, we're going to celebrate the baptism of our Lord. All right. So um, just a little meditation about these two Christmases. I think we could have probably done more on Christmas Eve, sang more of the hymns. I would have liked to have done that um, this year. It just wasn't in the, in the cards. Um, and frankly, you know, as a pastor, it's a struggle. Um, I don't always know exactly what people want. I ask, I don't often hear, and uh, I could always use some more help, okay? <laughs> and, and planning and you know, help from other musicians, for example, uh, to pull off maybe a, a greater or larger scale celebration. So 
the two Christmases, if you like. All right. Let's continue by confessing the explanation to the second article. I believe in Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. On this Saturday, we pray for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for every pastor as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's day. We pray the Lord to watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation, that he protect and guide all who travel, that he grant all women with child and all mothers with infant children increasing happiness and their blessings, that he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. We rejoice with those who uh, yesterday celebrated their birthday, Nancy and Ron, as well as today, Ron. Also, we pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Jan, Kelsey, Reverend Herzog, Billy Joe, Brad, Janet, Timothy, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Penny, and Roman. We also continue our prayers uh, for my friend, uh, Pastor Donovan Riley, hopefully going home today. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. We pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially a place of refuge, our mission of the month, as well as Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect uh, from last Sunday, at <laughs> last Advent collect. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come and help us by your might, that the sins which weigh us down may be quickly lifted by your grace and mercy. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We also pray the collect for St. Stephen. Heavenly Father, in the midst of our sufferings for the sake of Christ, grant us grace to follow the example of the first martyr, Stephen, that we also may look to the one who suffered and was crucified on our behalf and pray for those who do us wrong. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, so we sing our hymn from Christmas Eve, Lo, how a rose air bloomin'. Stanzas one and two. 
Very good. Merry Christmas to you all. It is December 26, 2020, the second day of Christmas, and it's the Feast of St. Stephen, the martyr. Uh, Hopefully that was a benefit to you, a blessing to you, and to consider how uh, even this Christmas message is one that is opposed by those who um, really hate to have their sins forgiven freely and for Jesus' sake, rather than by their own works or merits. Um, Lord be with you all. We'll see you again tomorrow morning for our divine service, uh, which will recognize the presentation of our Lord on the first Sunday after Christmas. Uh, that's at 9.30 a.m. Central. And then uh, we'll have Congregation of Prayer next week, Monday and Tuesday. Monday, we'll recognize the Holy Innocents. And Tuesday, uh, we'll have some catechesis on the presentation of Mary, which we'll celebrate tomorrow. So, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>